The text for this afternoon are the first two verses of Hebrews 12. Where God speaks to us as follows. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, reading through the letter addressed to the Hebrews, we get the distinct impression that many of them were going through difficult times and needed encouragement as they waited for the fulfillment of God's promises. But the Lord never promised us an easy ride. Certainly, there are times when things seem to go smoothly, also in history, but generally also because of our own sinful nature, there are struggles. And life isn't always easy, not in our personal lives, but also in the life of the church belonging to Jesus Christ. We're going through rougher times these days. There is a mounting of anti-Christian attitudes and worldly immoral temptations are blatantly promoted wherever you look. Satan is looking to reestablish himself here in this world, knowing that his time is running out. And it seems that he is becoming more and more successful. But the writer to the Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, does point us to much greater things. Yes, a greater one, Jesus Christ. The first chapters of this letter proclaim to us the supremacy of the Son of God, the founder of our salvation, and the certainty of our victory in and through Jesus Christ for all those who cling to Him in true faith. We will reach the finish line victoriously. Yes, the glorious victory is guaranteed in Jesus Christ. But that does not mean that it will be an easy run or race. It will require much effort, determination, and work, as we heard in our text. But we're not alone. We run the race together. Yes, it is like a relay race. Many have gone through much the same things that we go through now. 
there is a cloud of witnesses. And there are many who are doing this race together with us as God's people who put all their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I preach to you as the theme, run with endurance the race that is set before you. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. And we will pay attention first to your position, secondly, the course, and thirdly, the finish. Now, chapter 11, as we heard, spoke much about faith. Starting with declaring in the first verse that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Similar wording as the answer to the question in Lord's Day 7 of the Catechism, what is true faith? When we confess that it is a sure knowledge, assurance, as well as a firm confidence or conviction. It is the assurance of things hoped for, what we do not yet see with our physical eyes, that what we do not yet experience. What in the eyes of the world would be most uncertain, because it cannot be seen, it cannot be proven, is for the believer all assurance, all conviction, because we received it from God. And there is nothing that we can be more certain about than what we receive from God Himself. And then in that long chapter 11, the, the writer shows us before our eyes what that faith now is in practice, what it does to people, what is all possible in that God-given faith. That chapter was like a, a, just like a movie or a video shown before us of the history of that faith amongst the people of the Lord, from Abel to Enoch to Noah, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, Moses, the judges and the kings and the prophets. It is all one great testimony of what that God-given faith does to His chosen people. And they, through suffering and tribulation, nevertheless continue to show that assurance and conviction of things hoped for, even if they themselves never got to see it in this life. Because, as we heard, God wanted to wait so that we could also share it together with them. That is how chapter 11 concluded, when it said, and all these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And now in our text, it is as if that movie pauses and the writer focuses on you, the ones who read 
who hear all this about his witnesses. The movie stops and says, where are you in all this? This history of what faith does. What is your position? And how do you fit in there? What is your stand? What is your course? Knowing the Bible, reading and hearing about all these things the people of the Lord went through and how the Lord worked in them and through them. People like you and me. The faith that you have is the same faith they had in God, except that even more has been revealed to you and the end has come closer in the meantime. Circumstances may change and times may change, but faith is still the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is still the same power, still makes the humanly impossible possible. We're basically still running the same race as they did. But as so easily happens, real commitment is slipping away. And that's what happened to the people to whom this letter was written. They were falling back, they were becoming slack, losing their excitement and their ambition, and so their endurance and patience was running out. We know how that goes. <coughs> You're under pressure of so many things that require your attention and that requires your time and circumstances and difficulties drain us from energy. And Satan knows his more favorite times. He knows when you are more vulnerable. He knows your weaknesses. And he won't leave you alone. Yes, we have our high days, but they're soon overshadowed by the clouds of other things so that we lose our focus and understanding of our position in this life and the course that is set before us. We wander around instead of running the race. In our text, the writer compares our life here on earth to a race, a well-known sport also in those days as well, which the people were familiar with, with their great arenas and amphitheaters. The course is set out and determined for us in this life, the course that we must go, but it is like a race. It will require <coughs> much training, much preparation, much strenuous effort and concentration. Think of all these people who were mentioned in chapter 11, those who already have run the course, kept the faith, reached the finish. As our text says, therefore, we, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In those large amphitheaters, the crowds of people looking on, they were like clouds around the players. In this case, the runners. No matter where you look, there are spectators who cheer on the runners in the course. Go, go, go. And that comes from all around. Now, here, the spectators are called witnesses. Abraham, Moses, David, and all those well-known people, they're not just looking how you are doing, but they are referred to as witnesses. They, at the same time, are examples what you can do in this God-given faith, what great powers he has endowed you with, what endurance, what pers per perseverance, what patience. Now, when you read through this chapter 11, you may sometimes say or think, that's incredible what those people could do and endure. But yet you have to remember, they were people like you and me. People who also had their weaknesses, the Bible doesn't hide them, who also had their struggles, also had many temptations and trials, but now they are witnesses to you, for you. They testify to you not just what power they had in faith, but what power you have when you really do run the race in faith by God's grace. For it is always God's strength, a given power. Think about that when you read all those amazing stories in the Bible. When you see that cloud of witnesses around you, they did it. You can do it because the strength and the endurance comes from the Lord, your God. That is the testimony of those witnesses. That is how they encourage you on. But as any runner or jogger will know, you don't want to run, you don't want to carry along any more than you have to. People train, they want to be fit without carrying extra weight around. Runners have their special lightweight running gear. It's not my personal experience, but that's what it says. That's what many of you know. That's what the writer refers to when he said, let us lay aside every weight that is mentioned apart from the, the sin that clings to you and should therefore not be identified with that either. But there are many other things in life which are not necessarily sin, but which can hinder us in the race. You know, our first question often is, when it, is it wrong 
to have this? Is it wrong to do that? But here in, in our text, the emphasis is changed. The question should be, does it help or does it hinder me to run the race, to go the course of life in faith? In other words, what is your disposition? What is your attitude? Are you putting all effort into it? Are you straining yourself like in a race? Are you exerting yourself to do the utmost to serve the Lord in faith? Do you therefore lay aside anything that could slow you down or distract you? There are, for example, friendships that could be troublesome. We may be too selfish or too eager to have a so-called good life here, full of fun, entertainment, and toys. And when you then ask yourself if that is all wrong, you probably conclude, no, that's not sin. But the real question is, does it help you in the race? Does it keep you, does it help to keep you going in faith in the course that the Lord has set before you? Does it encourage you? Does it help you to keep your direction? Or is it actually an extra weight or burden which interferes and hinders? And of course, when it is a matter of sin, there's no question about laying that aside. It's hard to do, lay aside sin. As we heard, sin clings so closely. And therefore, it hinders most. Just like when you are running, you don't want tight-fitting clothes that would hinder movement. It clings closely. Sin cling clings closely. It is like a burr in your socks. It is hard to remove and painful. It's not only because sin clings to you, but you also cling to sin. That is our sinful nature. Sinful thoughts come up in our heart all the time. Lay it aside, we're told. Turn away from it, for fostering sin will hinder you in the race. You can't even just ignore sin because it has the habit of clinging to you. Very close, it says. One has to fight it. One has to lay it aside. Just like all those witnesses by which we are surrounded, they had the same difficulties. They also had their sins. And for them, the only way was to repent, to lay it aside. And so we must run the race with endurance and patience, always reminding ourselves that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. That's what makes our position difficult. It seems that you will never reach that finish line. 
that you will never see it in this life. But nevertheless, endure, persevere, do not lose hope. Also remember, we do not set our own course. It is, as the writer says, it is the race that is set before us, determined by God himself. We do not choose our own ways and course in life, but we must go the way that the Lord set before us. And it is exactly because of that that we can persevere and endure because we may leave it up to the Lord. Even when we do not see it, he will have us reach what he has promised. Now, how about the course that we are to take? How do you know what the course and direction of your life must be? Well, runners, when they are on that track, they look ahead, they see the finish line, they see the flag there, that's where they're going. They go straight for it. But faith is assurance of things not seen. So how can we know the course and direction of life in faith? And then we heard, we must look to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder or author and perfecter of our faith. Perhaps the faith translation is closer to the original text. So he is the founder and the author and finisher of the faith. With him it is faith from start to finish. And as for us, our faith depends on him from start to finish. After all, he is the ground of our firm confidence. We profess our faith in Jesus Christ. And know that we are children of God through him. And only through him are we righteous before God. And whatever is still imperfect in our faith during the race here on the earth, he will make it perfect. He is the founder, perfecter, or finisher of faith, also of your faith. But it's even more here when it says that Jesus is the founder or author and perfecter of faith. Jesus also went the course that was set before him by his Father. And he did that in faith from start to finish, from birth to death. But with him, it was perfect faith. See, when we look at all the others, like the ones in chapter 11, that cloud of fitnesses, we can be greatly encouraged by them, but it is often hard to distinguish the course when we look at them. That's not always clear. They did not always go a straight course, but they were like us often with little faith, often being sidetracked, 
frequently being weighed down with unnecessary weights and burdens. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus and follow his example, you cannot go wrong. For there you see perfect faith, perfect endurance from beginning to end. And what he did, he did in faith. He lived in absolute dependence on his heavenly Father, in full trust, whatever he would undergo in his, on his course. Now, we soon conclude that Jesus did all those miracles and had all that insight because he was God at the same time. Well, that is not the main focus in the Gospels. For then, if that was so, then he would not have told his disciples that they would be able to do the same things if they only had faith. Not also in all this was uh, Jesus was true man, but he was perfect with perfect faith. And therefore, if in him we see what faith is, what it will do, as well as the glorious end of running that course. Look at Jesus. Ask yourself when you run the course, what would Jesus do? But you might say, my faith will never be perfect. And that is true. But yet you must look at that perfect example of Jesus to know your course, your direction. That is your goal while in this life. You must run that race with endurance looking to Jesus. And then you will not only receive encouragement and direction, but he is the source of your strength. He ran the course set before him by his Father, even if it meant being crucified. Yes, even if it meant bearing the shame of dying an uncursed death on the cross, being rejected by all, the shame of being treated as one who was burdened by all our sins. But he did not waver from beginning to end, from start to finish. He went in faith. You must look to him, the writer to the Hebrew says, in him you have your start. He is the one in whom your faith is grounded, and he is the one in whom you will finish. You will be with him, and he will make your faith perfect like his. And when then difficulties and obstacles come along, which is bound to happen, do not be discouraged. Do not look for help elsewhere. Don't give up, but look to Jesus and remember what he suffered, what he went through for you. And remember how he always sought to please his Father, even when it was to his own hurt. And that should set the course and the direction of your life. That is what we must seek to reach and for which we must lay aside every weight and sin 
which clings so closely yet. Lastly, we'll pay attention to the finish. A running a race can be very tiring, it can be very demanding on the participants who are sincere about it. But the prospect of reaching the finish line compensates for all that cost. Your suffering is not in vain, for you are one in and with Christ, of whom our text says, who for the joy that sat before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What was his joy? The joy of receiving you as his. The joy of bringing many to life from death the ones for whom he laid down his life, all to live to the glory of his Father. And he is now seated at the right hand, the throne of God. He's home with the Father, together with all those witnesses by whom we are surrounded. They all acknowledge that they were strangers and exiles here on earth, who were seeking a homeland. They all desired a better country, a heavenly one, like an Abraham who looked forward to the city which has foundation, whose builder and, and maker is God. You know, you will not always be running the race. You will not always have sin clinging to you. And you will not always be hindered by all kinds of weights that slow you down. All those witnesses we read about, they all reached the finish. People like you. People who also had their problems and their trials. People who had the same faith you have. And also had the same difficulties with it. They all reached it because Jesus Christ went before them in perfect faith. He endured the cross for them. He's now seated at the right hand of God. And all who run the race in faith and endurance will follow him, will also reach that glorious finish. They will share in his joy, share in the eternal Sabbath where they may rejoice in the Lord forevermore. And brothers and sisters, that's where you're going. And that is the road that you're on. You're not alone. Just look around in the history of God's people. Look around you here in the church, your brothers and sisters. You're not alone. You've heard this morning too, how we need each other how we travel together, how we assist one another. And on the Sabbath here on earth, we take a brief rest, just like along the long distance racetracks, you have places for refreshments and nourishment. We're nourished with the word of the Lord. 
food and drink unto eternal life until the eternal Sabbath begins to be with him forever. Look and listen to Jesus while you are still running the race that is set before you. And we have that assurance after you have suffered for a little while. The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, and strengthen and establish you all together with your church, God's people in this city, God's people in this world. Amen.